Praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. Uh, we're here in the book of Galatians. We're excited about being here again today, right here in the cold weather we're having here in northeast Texas. Uh, we've been in the book of Galatians now, I guess. This is our 11th session here on the 19th day of January, 2018. A couple things on the board. Our website is thecrosswaychurch.com and my YouTube uh, channel, I don't guess that's up there, but it's Curtis Hutchinson 316. All these messages get uploaded to uh, both of those places, so I encourage you to avail yourself to those uh, teachings, and I promise you God will bless you. Our physical address, for those of you that want to write us, send us financial support, uh, is 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572, or you can just donate on our website. And I thank God for all of you who do help support us, <clears throat> be able to do what we're doing here. It constantly takes money to buy new this, new that. This is broke. All these things that all these ministries use such as cameras and tripods and cables and lights and it there's no end to it and it and it this breaks that breaks the, the you know things they make today are not made to last anymore so we're constantly having to buy new things so if this uh ministry is is a blessing to you i encourage you to help us financially to be able to do what god's calling us to do so you can be a part of it amen so make sure you get your bibles today and if you're living anywhere near the Queen City, Atlanta area, and you're off on Fridays for whatever reason, we welcome you to come. This is not a Crossway Church worship uh, uh, service. Uh, this is a Bible study, and so doesn't matter what church you go to, there are seats here that you can come and fill for an hour, and we can study God's Word, dig in, and hear the Lord and receive our daily bread. So, uh, praise God. I just want to say something before we begin today. And, and, uh, there's so many people I know right now that are going through, uh, hard times, some even devastating. Some, uh, people are going through some things that they never, ever would have dreamed they would be facing. And, and maybe it's because something someone else has done to you or just through, uh, our own wayward flesh at times we have done it to our own selves. And that's the case most of the time. But can I tell you this morning that no matter how bad a situation you find yourself in, God can turn it around. It's not by you going to church. It's not by you doing a bunch of stuff. It's by you simply giving your heart to Jesus Christ, which means you're coming back to him. You're coming to God through faith in him and what he did at the cross. Doesn't mean you're going to start trying to work and do a bunch of stuff so God can change something. God will change everything in your life through his son and what his son did for you at Calvary. It'll take Jesus becoming first in your life and you can watch God turn everything around. I speak from experience and I personally know personally know there are several people right now going through devastating times. They just can't believe they're in the predicament that they're in. The Lord is the only one that's going to fix that mess. You may never have what you had before, but I promise you, if you come the way with Jesus and you go his way, turn everything over to him, be consumed with a desire for him then he will make your life way better than what it was you had before, no matter how much you think you had and the way you were going, it was so successful, and now you've lost it all, you've lost your family, you've lost whatever it might be. Jesus can make it better than it ever was before, but you'll have to cling to that old rugged cross knowing that everything you'll ever have a problem with, he crucified it on the cross. And the newness of life you're looking for will only come through your faith in the cross. So let me say this in closing about this, what I'm trying to say to you today. Find yourself somebody that opens the Bible and always points to Jesus and what he did at Calvary, and you will find yourself walking in the plan of God for your life if that's where your faith is and you're learning and growing in that. He's promised that he will add everything to your life if he's first. Amen. That don't mean you're going to church every week and expecting God to do something, though. A lot of people get in trouble and they run to church. The church is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Praise God. So here we are in the book of Galatians today, and we will begin 
here in verse 17, uh, right after we ask the Lord to bless us with a word today that we need, this daily bread, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today, to be in your word, to hearing uh, from your Holy Spirit today. I pray that, Lord, we would hear the Spirit of God teaching us today, uh, revealing truth to us, and that we would, Lord, have the daily bread that we need today to be our sustenance, Lord, that grace would come, faith would come, and we know when faith comes, faith overcomes. And we thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to say today and those you're going to minister to. And for those that we, Lord, spoke to a moment ago, those going through hard times, difficult, devastating times, Lord, confused and miserable situations, I pray that you would, Lord, draw them by your spirit, that you would let them know that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt today that you can turn the ugly and make it pretty. You can turn the bad and make it good. You can fix what's broken, straighten what's crooked. You can mend what's broken, Lord God, and you can give a perfect strength to those that are weak. And I thank you for it today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Galatians 1 and 17, uh, and really, I'm going to back up a couple of verses because uh, I want to point something out today, what Paul is having to take a, a whole portion of Scripture here to do, and that's try to get these ex-Gauls, who are now called Galatians, that came from a barbarian people who had given their life to Christ through the Apostle Paul, uh, him preaching the gospel to them, and, and now they were being uh, tr uh, attempted by the Judaizers. The uh, Judaizers were attempting to drag them back under law from which Jesus came to deliver us. Amen. So, and Paul is here having to confirm his calling, his his mission, his ministry. And uh, so many times, if if you, those that are truly called of God are going to be preaching the word of God in truth, and mo and all the big institutions, they're always going to look down and doubt those their calling because they don't have this, they don't have that. So, watch this in chapter one. Uh, he, he says in verse 15, and I won't back up and read it all, but we'll start in verse 15 and roll our way into verse 17 this morning. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. See, he's talking, he's confirmed, God did call me by his grace. And so, and we know that God's grace is what God did in Christ at Calvary. And God's grace is what God will do in and through us if our faith is in where God allowed his grace to come to us, and that's through faith in Christ and his cross. And that is how we all got our calling. It's the blood that draws us near, Ephesians 2.13. So the calling was, we're, we're, the Bible says we're called by his name. Amen. We're called by his name. And the Bible also teaches uh, in the book of Corinthians that we're justified by his name and we're only justified in the blood. So the name of Jesus always refers to the cross and what he there did to justify us. And that is how God calls all Christians. We may all have specifically different areas of ministry, but we all have the same calling and that is through the blood by the grace of God. But he's, but he's making a point here that I wasn't called by men. I was, I was called by God's grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. Here, if you see, he's, he's the Holy Spirit is having Paul uh, give a whole section of scripture here to confirm that, man, I didn't get what I've got from man. Man didn't have it to give me. And the, you are proof, your salvation is proof that the Holy Spirit worked through me to save you. And, and what I told you did not come from me. And it came from the scriptures and it came by revelation of Jesus Christ that made the scriptures alive to us in our hearts. And he says here in verse, uh, uh, let me read verse 16 again, to reveal his son in me, and that's why God calls anybody to salvation by grace, to reveal Jesus in us, 
that he, that we might preach him among the heathen immediately, I did not confer with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. And, and and let me say it again, he's having to try to get them to understand because what's under attack here is his his credentials, his calling, his position, his ministry. He's saying God did this, man didn't do it. And when God called me by his grace, I didn't have to run to the apostles and try to get some credentials. Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody, you don't need credentials from man. You don't need to be accredited. Let me just put it out there today. Those that God is going to use in these last days are not going to be focused on credentials. They're going to be focused on the gospel and the people who need to hear it. That's their focus. Everybody who, listen, if, if you think you need, what do you need credentials for from men? The only reason you would need credentials from men is so that men could hire you. You don't need credentials of men. You need the credentials that God alone can give. And that is through our faith in the cross, we're called by his grace and given the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of reconciliation, and God commits unto those his word of reconciliation. So when we go out and we spend years and money to be accredited, what in the world for? In all that, and I, and listen, anything that you can bring to the table to be contrary to what I'm saying is simply the words of man's wisdom. Because it's not in the Bible, my friend. That is something man brought to the table so man could justify our calling. And, it, and it's not that man doesn't have to recognize that we're called of God, but if all man's got to look at to see if we're called of God is our PhDs and our doctorates and all that, he ain't got nothing to look at. Do you hear me? When we call, when we think God's called a preacher and that preacher thinks he's, he's called, we don't need to say, him down and interview him about all the things we want him to do. There's only one thing we need to know about that man. Does he know God's word in truth? Is he going to open this Bible and point God's people to the way of Jesus Christ and him crucified? I don't care how many PhDs he's got or, or doctorates. It makes absolutely no difference. Heaven is not looking at that one bit. And again, let me say it. Anybody that refutes what I'm saying is somebody who's walking Walking after the wisdom of men. Anybody that told me I, I'd love to have you pastor our church, Pastor Curtis, but you know you're not accredited, I'd say, well, glory to God, that's my confirmation. I'm not called to your gathering. I'm called to those who are looking for the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm not, and if God moved me to another town and I wasn't a preacher, I, I hope I wouldn't go into another town looking for a certain name on a sign. I hope that I could go into another town and ask around who's preaching the message of the cross, who is preaching God's word in truth that means about Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, look, I didn't need to go to Jerusalem. The apostles are not the ones that called me. I'm not accredited by man. <laughs> if I was, man wouldn't be trying to kill me. <laughs> And you know, think about this. If Paul would have went to Jerusalem, then he would have just been infiltrated with the legalism that they were still in. Think about that. They were still, yes, people were getting saved, but they were, but it was all mixed with legalism. They didn't know for how many years was it? At least 11. I've heard maybe more that the, that the Jerusalem church wasn't even aware Gentiles could be saved. To years. That means they were steeped in legalism. Because when you say uh, these can be saved and these can't, even though you're preaching what can save those that'll believe it, you're also wrapped up in legalism. 
Amen. And that's where the church in America really is today. Any true Christian that's been born again knows what to tell somebody of how to get saved. But after that, in 99.999% of almost every church in America and the world, after that, they're steeped in legalism because they don't tell them it's the same faith that saved you and it's the only faith that works. If it ain't faith in the cross, my friend, and, and that's where all these credentials come in. We've got all these things we want men to look at. And let me remind you, God ain't looking at it. God ain't looking at your stuff. God's looking at your heart. And you don't have a PhD or a doctorate or a master's or a bachelor's in your heart. Amen. And when you try to get uh, uh, associated with all these people that are just accredited by other people, then that's all you've got is a bunch of men accredited men with each other. They may love the Lord, but there, but there's a limit there, and others are excluded. Hmm. I thank God that I had years of a few years of Bible college, and and I wished it had been a Bible college that really focused on the Word of God in truth and pointed me uh, to the to the revelation of the cross. But they didn't know it, and they couldn't give it. But that's no excuse. Amen. So, so Paul, that's what, he's having to take time out, a long time out, to show the churches in Galatia because they're under attack. Listen, I'm not called by man. I didn't need to go to Jerusalem. Listen, and, and, and we'll get to it later, but the reason he did go after a, a, a three years was to fill in the gaps for them. He still didn't go get anything from them because if reality and, and, a, and a proper learning from the scriptures show that he had something they didn't have. They didn't have anything he didn't have. All they had was Jesus was Messiah. He died. He, he rose from the dead and, and, and he was the son of God and you can be saved if you believe that. He'll forgive you of your sins. But man, how to live in victory? They didn't know it. How to have a church service, an ordered church service, a, the church age that we're not, they didn't know any of that. He went later and filled in the gaps for them. They didn't have anything to fill in any of his gaps. That, we learn that from scripture. Amen. So he didn't need to go. And I just needed to say all that today about credentials because we get, we get caught off guard. And, and I'm going to tell you, folks, there are men that can come along and speak words to you that are smoother than oil. They can speak words to you and just really make you think that you're not up to par if you're not accredited, that you'll never be able to have a job in a church if you're not accredited. Let me remind you again before we move on, you don't want a job in those churches. You don't want to work as a hireling. You, I'm not being ugly this morning. God's just bringing his church back to faith and grace where it's just him. We don't need all these things that look at all I've accomplished. Instead of pointing to all I've accomplished, I just point to the one who accomplished all things for me. Hallelujah. And their smooth words of oil will say, oh yes, but God did all this too. No, that's all about you. The cross is all about him. The cross removes our tattoos and our earrings. The, the faith in the cross removes a focus on self and gives focus to God. See, that's what the cross did. Jesus denied himself and completely obeyed even unto death his father. Even though in the Garden of Gethsemane he would say, Oh, if this cup could be taken from me. Is there another way? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. See, the, going to the cross is a removal of who I am in this world, and it's an ushering in of who Christ is in me in this world right now. He, he represents us today at the right hand of the Father, and that representation there should be seen in our representation of him today. Not of all we've done and all we've we've done even though we say look at all that I've done oh and I give glory to God <laughs> too bad that don't work that don't work because it's not of God amen brother Curtis Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. 
Again, Paul desires that the Christians of Galatia understand that he did not receive the revelation of the gospel that saved their souls from men. Anyone who's saved does not receive the gospel by men, although the message will come through men. You understand that? The reception of the gospel is always by the Holy Spirit. God uses ministers to share the God. We're vessels. We're channels for God to live in, to function in, to, to walk in us, the Bible says. And the, but, but listen, when there is an impartation in the heart of the gospel, listen, the minister has nothing to do with that except placing what can be believed there. And the Holy Spirit has to be the one that opens the eyes and does the imparting. Do you understand that? You and I can't lay hands on nobody and save nobody. You and I can't lay hands on nobody and deliver them from sin. You and I can't impart some anointing to somebody. You and I can just present the gospel and the power of God is revealed in the gospel and the Holy Spirit can do the rest. Amen. We've tried to play Holy Ghost too long when we're really just messengers. We're messengers, and the gospel comes into our hearts by faith, and then it goes out of us. Remember, we're called by his grace that he might be revealed in us that we might preach, hallelujah, with our words and with our lives that we live for his glory. But let me say this again. Anyone who's saved does not receive the gospel by men, although through men. By the Holy Spirit. He, he, listen, every time I preach, if I'm preaching the gospel, then it's the Holy Spirit through me presenting the righteousness of God, the truth that if you believe, you can have salvation, you can be led in the path of a salvation, righteousness. But it is not of men, and men cannot perform the operation of God. And let me say it at this point, we're not called to perform. We're called to believe to be saved, and to believe to be used. But it's all about belief, and that belief must be in the sacrifice of Christ. That got me saved, and that also will allow me, and that alone will allow me to walk in this sanctification process that God gave Paul to bring to the church in Jerusalem, to begin to write and to share to all the churches and to the church all over the world today that have a Bible. We can understand it's faith by grace we're saved. It's faith by grace, uh, or grace by faith that we're sanctified. And, there, and that means the cross, not faith in anything else. So one of the reasons, if not the main reason, the Holy Spirit did not send Paul to Jerusalem was because they were still steeped in legalism. I know I've said that, but I don't want to miss anything that I've written here. And the message he would receive would not have that mixed with it. So let me remind us today that everything God's doing in our lives and we're praying for other people that God would do things in their lives, there's always the part about God's wisdom involved. And timing has a lot to do with God's wisdom. There was a day that you got saved. There was a day, hopefully, that you went on and you got baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues the way the book of Acts declares and we are commanded as children of God to have that, to do that, to go that way. And there was a day that you began whatever. There's always timing involved. That's why we believe that it's God's will to heal everybody. Whether it's in the time right now and God fixes that hand or that leg or that whatever, or it's when they die and they go be with the Lord and they're completely healed at that point. But it's always God's will to heal, but yet his wisdom is involved because he knows everything and we don't. If we knew everything, then it'd be different, but we don't know half of nothing. And God knows everything. So uh, it got tough and dangerous while Paul was in Damascus. And uh, later he even told the church uh, in Corinth about how bad it got. And we can see that in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. Paul is telling the, the people in Corinth here in this scripture about how it, how it was for him in, in Damascus. Watch this in 2 Corinthians eleven thirty two and 33. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of the Damascus. Damascenes, however you say that, we're from northeast Texas, we can't say anything too, right? 
Damascenes, with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. Think about that. This is when he was in uh, Damascus, which he says uh, after he'd, he'd went up to Arabia, he didn't return again to Damascus. He'd been in Damascus, but listen what happened while he was there. And, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. Now, you have to ask yourself, what in the world was Paul doing there that caused such a ruckus? Somebody had to let him down out of a window through a basket to escape because they wanted to apprehend him. Well, he was sharing the gospel. And whether it was people there that just uh, didn't believe him and thought he was the biggest hypocrite and still trying to trap Christians or whether they were convicted of sin and just didn't want to believe in Jesus, I don't know. We did, I hadn't studied that too it much in depth, but I know he's reminding them that he was having immediate trouble the moment he stepped in to being a Christian. And that's the same with us. Can I tell you today that if you're living Christianity, you're, you're going through some stuff. If you're living, I ain't talking about going to church every week. I'm talking about if you are a representation and you're revealing Christ in you because he is being revealed in you by the Holy Spirit and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal the one being revealed in you through you to your family, your co-workers, and everybody knows that that's a man that loves the Lord right there. I'm not talking about a man that goes down here to the first or the second assembly. I'm talking about that's a man that loves the Lord. If you want to know what the Bible says, ask him. He walks with God. He trusts God. He is a man that loves God. That's what's going to happen in your life. And those people, man, I'm going to tell you something. Now, people come to them when they're devastated, but when everything seems to be going right, man, it can be a lonely life sometimes because not many people want to have anything to do with somebody who is really presenting Christ, living with Christ. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Most people today don't even cry out to God unless their families are devastated or they get a report from the doctor and they don't understand, listen, you're desperate on your best day, you're desperate, whether you know it or not. We need God on our best day, moving and functioning in our lives, but we're so fleshly. We, we think that, man, today I feel good and it's sunny out and, and man, everything just seems to be perfect and, and God is way back in the, in, in the kitchen on the back burner. And listen, on that best day, you're calling the best day. Listen, you're desperate whether you realize it or not for a move of God. And, and, and it's only those people who are going to wake up every day and say, Lord, I need you today. Lord, I need you to show yourself in me. I need you to show yourself through me. Everybody that I know, I want them to know that I know you and that, you, and that, and that I want them to know that you want to know them and that they need to know you. That's what our lives should be about. If our lives any, aren't any more spiritual than a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night service, we really don't have anything going on with God. We might be saved, but do we really have anything going on with God? And the point and the reason I'm saying this this morning because we're reading about Paul. And listen, you and I, before we were saved, we, we laughed at the church. We mocked the church. We, you know how we did it? We didn't want anything to do with it. If you don't want anything to do with, with, with the church, that means you really don't want to have anything to do with God. You just ain't saying it that way. Because the church today is the representation of Jesus. Jesus, when he approached this Paul that was Saul before and said, why are you persecuting me? Well, who is he persecuting? The church. So you better watch yourself talking about, I don't need to be involved in, in a church. I don't need to be planted in the house of the Lord. I, I, really, I, I really ain't into all this uh, uh, organized, uh, what we call religion. I, I don't have to be. Listen, you're rejecting God. You're rejecting God. When you're rejecting the church, you're rejecting God. When you're being negative about his church, you're being negative about him. We're married to him. And the Bible teaches me and my wife, we're one flesh in his eyes. And therefore, we're married to Jesus in the eyes of God. We're one with him. Somebody pokes me in the eye, they poking Jesus in the eye. Somebody uh, blat, you know, talks ugly about me and my faith, they're talking ugly about the Lord. That's the way it is. So we need to repent and get right. Amen. So uh, verse 18, he says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Finally went to see Peter. 
I didn't go immediately. After three years, I went to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. And I just have to think about this meeting. An old, an old man like Peter, a fisherman, old stanky fisherman, and here comes a little uh, favored boy of the Sanhedrin, a rabbi, a trainee to be the next head of the Sanhedrin. Here they're coming. Nothing in common but one thing, the most important thing, that they're born again, filled with the Spirit of God and sons of God in Christ Jesus. Man, they've got everything thing that matters in common. I mean, I don't, Paul had never probably fished, I don't know, and Peter probably had no desire to be a part of the Sanhedrin, and, and that was two different worlds, but let me tell you something, they were supposed to all be looking for the Redeemer. And now he goes to meet with him, and you can only just sit back and imagine the conversations they had and the scripture that was flying in that room that day. And, 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 and Peter just excited that he walked with Jesus and able to tell Paul some things about what happened when they walked some of the stories in 15 days, man. I bet they didn't sleep much in those 15 days. I bet the nights were short and the days were long. Hallelujah. I bet you, I bet you, man, I just know they had a wonderful time in the Lord. I don't think they just sat there and struggled and trying to figure out who was right. and who. I Man, I bet they were just worshiping the Lord and being thankful that they were saved and, and now the scriptures were beginning to shine in their hearts and, and that they were realizing they were one in Christ. They were together in Christ. I mean, the man that used to just fish and, and the man that used to just teach the word, but and now they were together and they were one in Christ. My goodness, that had to be a two-week revival in there I just I just have to think about things like that that man they didn't they didn't just I don't think they just had church meetings I think it was just one big church meeting I I don't I, man they just they were iron sharpens iron now granted Paul had a lot to offer and, and Peter accepted that because if you study what Peter wrote he pretty much says that Paul what Paul wrote was scripture he refers it to scripture and says some of the things that he wrote is hard to understand and some people are resting, W-R-E-S-T-I-N-G, they're twisting to their own destruction. And therefore, Peter gave uh, credence, he, he gave uh, uh, his under his surrender to what he saw the Holy Spirit gave to Paul. And, you, and so you have to wonder, well, why do you think Peter would do that? Well, the most important and, and the sure reason of that is they both had the Spirit of God. And that's what keeps us together, the Spirit of God. But also, you have to know that there were some things that were missing. And, and that's why God brought them together. Paul, he might have needed some fellowship, but he had more of a revelation than Peter had. I mean, P Paul is the one the Holy Spirit gave the revelation of what really happened at Calvary, how that benefits the child of God today, how that we're no longer under a law and its dominion of sin, but we're under grace, how how that, man, we were crucified with him and that we were buried with him and raised, all raised to newness of life with him. All these truths of what really happened at Calvary, how the devil had his power of death stripped away in the death of Jesus, not the resurrection, but the death the Bible teaches. And, and the... Paul was given these, these great truths that were uh, some in the Old Testament, all uh, uh, verified in the Old Testament, but some that were just revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, you think about the things in the New Testament, such as the fivefold giftings. Well, there were five. There was a, 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 a the head priest, and then he had uh, four sons. There was five of them. I believe everything in the New Testament can be looked back and seen some way, type, and shadow form in the old covenant. Everything, all of it. <laughs> 
is all, I believe, revealed back there. Even the services we have, where we have praise and worship, and then the word comes, and, and the sword uh, is what we call the sword of the Spirit, the word of God comes forth. Even in the Old Covenant, God would send the praisers, the tribe of Judah, into battle first, the praisers, and then God would bring the sword in. Our worship services are set up that way. All that comes from a, a recognition of what was a type and shadow to be walked in as life for us in the New Testament. So a lot of that, most of the revelation we have in the New Testament came through a man named Paul. And Peter recognized that to the degree that one day when Paul had to rebuke Peter to his face in a company of people, Peter accepted the rebuke. There had to be a level of understanding that this was a man of God called by God, though he had killed Christians. I'm, I'm accepting that God has called him to the degree, given him this revelation of Scripture that I didn't have myself to the degree that I will accept the rebuke from God through him. Powerful. And Peter didn't say, hey, I don't know who you think you are, Paul. You're trying to embarrass me in front of all these people. I'm the one that walked on water. I'm the one that did this. I'm the, no, he wasn't thinking about all he'd done. He was simply focused on Jesus and what was right. And Paul brought the scripture and, and the Holy Spirit revealed the scripture to Peter. And Peter accepted. Thank God for men that will come along and rebuke allow the Lord through us uh, to rebuke. It's called love, my friend. It's not called being mean and just because you don't have this, uh, then you don't think it. No. Listen, they've said that about us for years. The, the reason we preach how we preach and why what we preach is because uh, we've been heard and nothing ever worked and people are against us. Let me tell you something. We're experiencing to some degree, the same thing Jesus experienced. To some degree, the same thing Paul experienced. Because when you preach the truth, the religious, self-righteous people aren't going to want to be associated with you. And they're going to have negative things to say about you. Can I tell you today that uh, anybody that doesn't agree with what you believe, they really think you're a liar. And I hate to add this second part. But we believe it about them too. Think about that. People that come along and try to tell people that you're really not born again unless you're water baptized, I tell folks that's a liar that told you that. Not being ugly, but that they're, they're misinterpreting Scripture. We're not saved by anything we do, but by what Christ did alone in our faith there. So they're lying. They're liars. They may be good people that, that care about you, but they don't understand the Scripture, so if they're telling you something false, what does that make them? A liar. And that's what they think about us when we say the opposite. So uh, there's a bunch of liars running around, but who? what we have to do is determine who's telling the truth and who's doing the lying. And how do we do that? How do we do that? By sitting down with the Scripture... Rightly dividing the word of God. And that means keeping the cross of Christ at the center of all the discussion. But when you say rightly, that means righteously dividing the scriptures. And that means that Christ and his cross is the only avenue of that righteousness. The only explanation of scriptures is the cross. You can't understand the Bible without the cross of Christ. You can't understand it. All you will have is man's wisdom unless your wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit through the blood. It's just man giving man and man giving man, and they have conferences all over the place and all in the name of the Lord and revival, but all they're doing is getting together so they can fill their schedules for the year to preach. Uh-huh, wow. So then he says in verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. And, uh, and again, let me say, just before we move on, what a time they must have had and the things they must have shared. And I really believe that Paul had way more to share than Peter. Way more. Peter, I believe, had his experiences and the life experience with Jesus that I believe uh, edified Paul like edified what couldn't be known. 
I believe Peter telling Paul the very things that, that happened while Jesus walked on this earth and him being with him and how he was able to stop that storm. And Peter, uh, Paul rather, had heard those stories like the whole region and world had heard those stories. But he, now he's in a room with a man who was in the boat when the storm ceased. Uh, he was, in, he was in, in, in a room with a man that was telling, that was there that day when Jesus brought uh, food from nowhere and fed thousands. He was in this room for 15 days with this man who had been with Jesus, who was there at the last communion table. And, and that had to affect Paul in, a, in an emotional, in a, in a fearful and wonderful way that this Jesus that he now believes in and has been called by and has a ministry on behalf of, it had to be a wonderful time and, a, and a, just an edifying time. But then on the other hand, Peter must have sat there with his mouth open as Paul expounded the scriptures that he'd known all his life. But now Jesus rolled out of the scriptures. Light was getting brighter for Peter. Peter, my Lord, it, what's it making me emotional? That must have been a time where they sat there and just back and forth. And, and I'm telling you, it must have been a revival for both those men to, to hear about what all that Jesus did and now what he was going to do through the revelation of the cross. My goodness, in the church today, that it was more than just a man about his life here, that he lived perfect without sin. But really the main thing was that he would go to a cross be a fully obedient man unto death and offer that righteousness and that victorious salvation to all who will believe. Simply believe and you can be saved. You can live saved and you can find provision every day in your life. Praise God. What a wonderful 15 days that must have been. I pray that all of our days would be what they had in that room because they, God did all he did in Peter and Paul's life so he could do in our life today what he's doing today. He used the disciples and the apostles and together to, to give us the scripture so that our faith could come. And as I always say, when faith comes, faith overcomes. Hallelujah. He says in verse 19, but other of the apostles, I, I didn't see any of them except for uh, James, the Lord's brother. And uh, that must have been a time there too. Don't you know the hair on Paul's arms must have been moving when Jesus' brother came. Somebody now, more than Peter, somebody now that was not only a disciple who saw all those things but that Peter saw, but also somebody who was raised up from a child in the house with Jesus. Oh my goodness, uh, the, a brother to Jesus uh, had the same mama, come through the same mama. Oh, they had different daddies though, glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> James had a daddy named Joseph, but, but Jesus had a daddy named Jehovah. Hallelujah, glory to God. But man, they were raised up as boys in the same house. And there was Paul listening, I bet, to James talk about some of those stories. My goodness, I know they were edified and strengthened by each other's company. And for one main reason, the 15 days that Paul was there was all about Jesus. Hallelujah. Wasn't about who we are wasn't about what we needed. It was about Jesus. In him and focus on him, you'll find a turnaround for your life. This old drug head and drunk, God turned me around, gave me a beautiful wife and kids and a beautiful home and a ministry that is able to preach the truth that changed my life for the rest of my life. Glory to God. I, man, I, I might not have been in that room with those two men or those three men that 15 days, but I got the revelation that God gave them and I can walk in that same fellowship. I can have that same edification. Matter of fact, Jesus said, more blessed are those who have not seen and believed. So we living in the more blessed time now. We need to take advantage of it. Seize the moment each and every day. It's more than a Sunday or a Wednesday. Man, it's a right now faith is, God said. Today is the day of my salvation and I will experience it through faith in the death of Jesus. Glory to God. Again, the point here uh, being Paul's attempt to get the believing Galatians to see he did not get anything from the disciples or apostles in Jerusalem relating to his call or his ministry, his commissioning. It was all of the Holy Spirit. We must remember that it was at least 11 years, if not more, for the Jerusalem church to realize Gentiles could be saved. Think about that. 
You got folks still running around almost 2,000 years later saying Jesus really didn't die for everybody. When their Bible, when we gonna come back to the Bible? In Hebrews 2, 9, the if you're a Bible believer, you need to just repent. If you out there saying Jesus didn't die for everybody, God's will says it's, God's word says it's not his will that any should perish, but all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews 2, 9 says Jesus, by the grace of God, tasted death for all men. It can't get any plainer than that. But here comes the words of man's wisdom. Well, he really didn't die except for those that are going to be saved. No, that's not the case. If that's the case, then those that didn't get saved didn't have a chance to. And that ain't a God of this Bible. Because God said it's not his will that any should perish. And if it's not his will that any should perish, that means he gave his son for the whole world because he loves the whole world and promised if you'll just believe. Whoever you are, no matter how bad your past has been, the cross was more than your sin. The love of God's greater than your sin. The sacrifice is greater. And you can be forgiven and given a brand new today and a tomorrow the rest of your life. Now look in verse 20, and we'll close in this verse today. He says, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. He's having to tell them, now I'm not lying, boys. Why is he having to tell I'm not lying? The only reason folk got to go around and say, now I ain't lying here now. <laughs> it's either because they lie all the time, and I don't believe that was the case with Paul. <laughs> Or it's because somebody's telling them he's a liar. And again, let me make that statement. If folks don't think that you're called, if they don't think that the baptism with the Holy Spirit is right for today, if they don't think that the only way you can be saved is through faith in the cross of Jesus Christ, the only way you can live for God by the power of the Holy Spirit is to keep your faith there, then they may be nice to you and smile at you by the pork and beans in Walmart, but they think you're a liar. And by not believing what you believe in their heart, God sees they call us liars. Amen. Well, they're lying to the people. They're preaching that tongue stuff. They're teaching that. To, the Bible teaches that. And again, there are heresies and there are divisions in the church. The Bible says in Corinthians, so that those who are approved may be manifest. Who are those that are approved? Those who stand on the word of God in truth. Those who can sit down with the word of God and get their decision that they make from the word. Not just one verse, bless God, uh, 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 we're standing on this one verse. But if there's another verse over here that refutes what you've always believed about this verse, but you refuse to rightly divide the scriptures, then you're just standing in a lie, my friend. You know those that say, what is Mark 16, 16, that say, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved? But it goes on to say, he that believes not shall be damned. Doesn't say he who's not baptized, said he who believes not. And there, water baptism, my friend, is not spoken of there. I don't believe it is. I believe it's he that believes and is baptized into the death of Jesus. Because there are those that you read about in John chapter 8 that believed on Jesus, that Jesus later would have to tell them their daddy was the devil. Boy, it got quiet up in here now. How, what, where is our faith? What kind of faith do we have? What belief do we have? Because if our faith is in Jesus, that he is the son of God, and he paid the price for my sins, and Hebrews 1 and 3 says, he by himself purged me from my sins. means I can't do anything to make it happen except believe it. Believe it. So we see that if you understand the cross, then you'll be able to understand everything else in the Bible because it all and only flows through the blood. So when you see other scriptures that plainly refute some scripture you've been standing on and, and, and show you you've been wrong about that Bible verse you've been believing, you better let the Holy Spirit remove that and change you. And that's those who are approved. The only approval placed by God is the cross. 
Think about that. The only place God has approved anybody is through their faith in Christ and what he did at the cross. There he's accepted us because his approval was upon Jesus and what Jesus did. And our faith in him and what he did for us causes that approval to be on us. But that approval to be manifest now because all children of God have been approved by God through the blood. But there needs to be, even among those that have been approved by God through the blood, saved, born again, there must be some manifest approval of what is right in the word. And remember, the approval is always on Christ and his sacrifice. So the revelation and the approval must be the word of God in that revelation, that illumination, that context. Therefore, some of the confusing things, the false doctrines, they get pushed aside as we come back to the truth who is a man named Jesus and what he did at Calvary of God's word. Hallelujah. I'm glad to know that today. I don't know everything. I don't know much of nothing, but I know the most important things, how to get saved, how to live saved, and how to recognize when the devil's trying to lie to me with smooth religious words. Glory to God. So Paul here feels the need to tell them that he is not lying and that God is his witness. He says that. Listen, now the things which I write unto you, and remember, he's not there talking to them like I am to you. He's having to write this in a letter, and you know, there's more, there's more sustenance in a meeting where there are people than there are when somebody's just reading a letter. But you can believe, but, and the reason he's having to confirm and to relay that his calling was from God is because, man, if they don't get that, then that's just a letter. If they don't understand that Paul, if they believe these Judaizers that, that's lying to them, Paul ain't called, God didn't give him that. Look, he didn't even go and get any, he didn't even go to Jerusalem. He, he, he didn't get anything from them. He's just a lone ranger. He's called himself. They're lying about Paul. So Paul, if they don't get that Paul was called by the grace of God, called by God, given the ministry he has by God himself, then they're just going to throw that letter in the trash. They got to get that first. Yes, I believe he was called. I believe God was using him. And the evidence is that we got saved. God saved us. But the Judaizers are trying to refute that. He says, I write unto you, behold, before God. God is my witness. I'm not lying to you. This statement reveals what is wrong with his ministry to the Galatians and that they is what is going on, not wrong, what is going on with his ministry to the Galatians and that there are others accusing him of being a liar. You got to understand again before we close this session out today, there either we're lying or they're lying. So who's lying? Who's telling the truth? We've got the Bible. Let's sit down together and we'll find the truth. And every single time that has happened in my experiences, people either repent and come back to faith and grace or they just get up mad and walk away and say, well, that, that just ain't how we see it. And, that, and they walk away mad. I remember a few short years ago, a guy just turned away from true faith and grace and began to confess all these things and that this, this, this new false revolution, uh, grace stuff that's out there now trying to infiltrate the church and has infiltrated the church. He kept calling, he kept bothering, he kept doing all these things trying to make me see. And my last comment to this guy was, listen, you and I no longer see scripture in the same light. And the scriptures, the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But Jesus claimed he's the light of the world. But in Revelation 21 and 23, the Bible says the lamb is the light. So which one is the light? Is it God's word? Is it Jesus? Or is it the lamb? Hear me there. This is very important. This is where the approval and the understanding comes into play. The revelation of God's word. The illumination. His, his word that effectively works in our heart as truth when we believe it. Here it comes. It's when God's written word is in the context of the son of God, Jesus Christ, as the lamb. The slain lamb of God. Outside of that, it's just us passing thoughts back and forth. That's all it is. 
We think we've got a powerful message and God kept me up all night. But it's the Bible in Proverbs that says it's those that can't even sleep unless they've done mischief. Mm, think about that. Those people that get up, those preachers that hypnotize you with a handkerchief and, and say that God kept me up all night last night to bring you this word from God today. And then they get up and they share God's word in an unrighteous manner, which means it doesn't point to Christ who is the truth and what he did at Calvary which confirms the couple of scriptures or the one particular in Proverbs that says they can't even sleep unless they've done mischief. And let me tell you what, mischief, that's somebody, even if in ignorance and deception, is relating God's word outside of its righteous context, which only comes through the truth. That's amen, Brother Curtis. I'm thankful for what we know today. Let's remember that if folks do not agree with what we believe in the Word of God, then they must believe we're lying to the people just as we believe the same about them. And again, at any point, anybody has any questions, my email is curtishutchinson at att.net. And I'd be willing to message you on Facebook, call my house, 903-799-7181, if you have questions. If you call to rebuke me, that's fine too, but you better have the Word of God in truth. How it relates to Jesus or I won't listen to you. It has to be, the common denominator of all the Scripture is Christ, and, the th and what makes Christ who he is to us is his cross. And not just a one time, now I get it all. No, Jesus said, if you're going to follow him, come after him, you're going to deny yourself, take up your cross every day and follow him. It's daily bread. It's daily cross. It's daily fellowship. Amen. I need daily light. I need a daily restoration of my soul. Hallelujah. Praise God. The liars were calling Paul a liar, and it has always been that way. So how do we know who's right? I think I've already explained that. The folks who are right are the ones who believe God's word is right. And that God's word was here first. That God's word is the context of Christ and him crucified, the new covenant in the new covenant. And the old covenant really just... If you, if you know Jesus, the old covenant just makes the new covenant brighter. Think about that. As I close today, I want to remind us, children of God, is of one thing. And that is God's word was here before any other word was here. You need to remember that because when you talk to Muslims and you talk to Hindu folks and you talk to all these false religions out there, Mormons who have their own book that's contrary to this book, this book, the Word of God, was here first. The Word of God came first. Jesus is the living Word of God. When he says, I am the first and the last, the first and the last what? He is the first Word and he'll be the last Word. He was the first word to us. You are free through the blood he shed. And to us who are saved, we'll enter heaven with that last word we'll hear in this age, which will be, well done, my good and faithful servant. The last word Jesus will be to those who are lost at the great white throne judgment is, will be, bow your knee and confess me as Lord. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. I'm casting you into a lake of fire. He is the first word, the last word, but my point I'm trying to make is before all these other books were written, even though they claim there's prophets mentioned in the Bible, so now we God gave us another prophet. If anything in their book and their writings refutes the only way of salvation being Christ and the blood he shed on the cross, and the only way to live for him is through that same faith, they're liars. Their word is an after we already had God's word. If you have to pick between two books, one of them's false and one of them's true, we, and, and this one was written first and this one was written, well, let me say it this way. If you think both are right, which one are you going to pick? The one that was here first or the one that was here second? The one that was here first. It's right because it was written by God. 
Everything else after the Bible is only written by man. That's why any books you read to help you in your studies, if they don't refer to Scripture and as Scriptures refer to Christ and what he did at Calvary, you're, you're just swapping thoughts with men. Amen. Remember that. You need to know what I just shared with you to deal with Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, and all these other religions that are not Christians. Even Catholics have their own Bible because they do not believe the Word of God. God's Word was first. God's Word will be last. God's Word is eternal, and when the heaven and the earth is folded up like a scroll and done away with, God says, my Word will never go away. It's eternal because it is who he is. Amen. So when we take something over what was already written and given by God, we're rejecting God. Even in a great deception, we think we're walking in light, but we're walking in darkness. I pray that you tune in every week so that God could uh, work in your life effectually through the truth of God's word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells us that as we believe God's word in truth, he will work that word effectively into our hearts. And I thank God for all of you that watch each week, all of you who pray for us, support us financially, those of you who show up in the studio every week, even on cold uh, uh, snow still on the ground days. We're excited to be doing what God's called us to do, sharing his word in truth. Make sure you hit the share button and share this. Don't be be ashamed of the gospel. Share the gospel. You heard the uh, teaching today that was focused on Jesus and the word, and that's the only thing that's going to help anybody. So I encourage you, and I pray God bless you. See you next week.